All right. Well, FanDuel's getting ready, obviously, for the kick of Destiny 2, which uh, I'm sure we'll get to talk about as that gets closer. You are obviously the voice, and we've heard your voice a few times on the commercials. But FanDuel also putting their foot down, telling the Jacksonville Jaguars, (laughs) you can... You can uh, stick to losing your $20 million because we're yeah. not paying it back. If you guys remember, the, the Jaguars had a, a former employee of the team, I believe a front office employee, not, yeah. not quite sure, but stole $20 million from the Jags and apparently lost it all on FanDuel, betting and, and playing various <laughs> fantasy sports. And they appealed FanDuel asking for the money back. And FanDuel's like, uh, no. Nope, we're gonna hang on to the twenty mil. So yeah, sorry, Fanduel. It's a big, big time of year for them. Twenty million dollars richer, and and got that big kick of destiny coming up too. Well, they are the. Uh, I mean, that's the the reason they're the number one sports book. It's because the uh, you know of things of dudes like that betting twenty million on Fanduel. Yeah, I'm excited to. Uh, I'm excited to watch Kick of Destiny too. I'm excited to be home in my home watching the Super Bowl this year. As awesome as last year was, and shout out to the Fanduel people for. Uh, including me in the promotion for uh, for this year's kick. You know, a lot of people have been asking me about it. One of the big things is it's like, you know, did they bring you back? It's like, well, they're doing something very different this year. You know, it, it's not a commercial. So uh, yeah. they didn't need the, they didn't need the guy who could read the copy live in 30 seconds, uh, you know, on, on the flat. So uh, I appreciate the, the team over there. And uh, I'm excited to see Gronk. Make it. I've already bet on FanDuel is going to make it. So you got to make it, make or go. miss. That is that is the pick. And I've already tweeted at Gronk. I'm like, you, you got to make it for me, pal. I need those. I need those bonus bets. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, <laughs> he's, my- the pressure's on. We're, we're going to be talking this on this episode here about who's under the most pressure in Super Bowl. Gronk should be on the list. We, we should throw we should throw <laughs> Rob Gronkowski into that list because. Man, the guy's got some redemption yeah. to do this upcoming week. But yeah, no, it's been really cool seeing all the promos and and with your uh, voice from the kick last year kind of in there echoing as like the the haunting you know, Rob monster Gronkowski. from the the yeah. ghost of uh, of Christmas past for for Rob Gronkowski there. So yeah, that's very cool and looking forward to seeing what they do this year. But yeah, let's get into it. It's gonna be a fun episode. We'll talk about who's uh, under pressure the most at Super Bowl Fifty Eight. We'll also dive into a lot of the offensive coordinator hires and head coaching hires that have now been official over the last about two and a half weeks or so gotten even more names into the mix so that'll be fun to pour over and and kind of just talk about some other news and notes but let's get into it who is going to be facing the most pressure this upcoming sunday You know, maybe this category wouldn't be as fitting or this topic wouldn't be as fitting if it were a different matchup. Let's say, you know, the Lions, who are a team that you can't really say are under pressure to win the Super Bowl if they make it there, because look, they already they they already overcame so much and it's like you did it. But we're talking about two teams who have a rematch from a recent Super Bowl, one team who hasn't won it in 30 years, another who's trying to, you know, build a dynasty, yeah. one who's undrafted quarterback looking to make his name. So there's a lot of players and a lot of coaches who uh, who you could throw into the hat here for who's kind of facing the most pressure ahead of this game. And so what Mark and I did was put together kind of our top five uh, who's facing the, the most pressure this upcoming week. And and we'll kind of go over that list uh, alternating here and, and give our thoughts on, on who it is. Did Mark, did you rank? Uh, your guys, because that's how I went into it, kind of yeah. ranking one through five. But I guess we didn't solidify that beforehand. 
No, I have a ranking as well. And okay. um, for me, what I really think you nailed it there in the intro, no one's playing with house money right now. Even yeah, the yeah, Chiefs, exactly. you'd say, oh, no, well, I mean, come on. They're, they won last year, but they are – they put this pressure on themselves by, you know, kind of entering this dynastic dynasty mode and uh, Patrick being in this kind of greatest of all time category, Andy Reed really putting himself into that kind of conversation mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, no one is playing with house money at all. And um, you could make the argument, well, you know, maybe Brock Purdy is, but I would argue, no, he's, he's actually one of the people that, is facing an absolute, you know, mountain of pressure, uh, uh, you know, coming up on Super Bowl Sunday. It is an underlying storyline when you get to the biggest game. You cannot, you know, I, I was just talking with a, a guy I work with, and, you know, you're just like, oh, I went back to last season when the last time they played in week 14. It's like, I get it. A lot of those faces are the same. The names are the same. The coaches are the same. But man, it's just different. Like every the every single person you talk to, and you'll hear a ton of dudes come out. Um, you know, former players, former coaches, at all they'll all be in Vegas doing all the media rounds. ESPN will be there, Fox Sports, you know, all the podcasts and everything. The thing they'll always say is like, it's just different. The speed is different. The energy is different. The intensity is different. And when that gets ratcheted up like that. Who can perform like it is just regular season week 14? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, that's those are the teams that usually win a Super Bowl. Um, and um, and will it come down to a big turnover? Will it come down to a you know big penalty like we saw with the Eagles last year? And it's a really, really exciting time. And, and I'm I, as excited as I am to be here on the Monday leading up to the Super Bowl, like I can't wait for a week from right now where we're turning it on and we're recording and we're breaking this game down because it's always more fun than trying to predict what's going to happen. But I think, um, I think we, we can both agree. There is a lot of pressure on a lot of the, the key figures heading into this matchup. And I'm, I'm excited to hear your list. Yeah. So let's get into it. I'll start with my number five and then we'll, we'll get your number five and work our way down the list that way. Uh, number five for me is Andy Reed, the aforementioned Andy Reed. Um, you know, initially I was like, maybe he's a little bit higher on the list or maybe he's not on the list at all. It was kind of one of those where I'm like, I can make the case for either or. I mean, he's already won two, already established that he's a Hall of Fame head coach. But I do think uh, he's number five for me because of the, you know, uh, the impact that a third Super Bowl could have for you as a head coach. I mean, then we're starting to get into rare territory. Yeah. You know, right now, Andy Reid is, uh, I would say for me, a top three head coach of all time. And I think you can make the case for him being the best. Uh, but you know, obviously Bill Belichick with his six rings, the productivity is there. And so he, you know, Andy Reed has more to do maybe to have that easy case, but you know, getting a third would really put him in that category of being like, okay, yeah, people would go out there and say, well, I did way more schematically for my team than let's say like a Chuck Knoll or a Bill Walsh, even, even though the guy obviously created was the father of the West coast offense. Um, which Andy Reid is, is certainly a disciple of. But, you, you know, Andy still couldn't say that he had the productivity. If you get a third ring, uh, that's, as, that's to me, as in, pretty interchangeable with four. I mean, th there's not a big difference between three and four. Two and four, pretty big. That, I mean, you're talking about um, more, more than just, like, having a two-year run. And now we're talking about, like, sustained success. Six years in the AFC Championship game 
already very successful. Uh, but to get that third Super Bowl to put yourself in the okay, we're in like we're talking Chuck Noll, Bill Walsh, yeah, um, you know, and 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 Bill Belichick as that kind of group that that's that's one three with their teams, and so that's that's super rare company to be in, and and on top of that too, you know, to make sure that you can kind of make a staple for the people who want to make a claim that Andy Reid you know, won it because of Patrick Mahomes and because Patrick Mahomes was the greatest player in the league. He still is. But the way that Kansas City is winning this year has kind of showed the chops that Andy Reid has. Like, no, we can still have a dominant run game and actually lean much more uh, on that side of things than Kelsey being in his prime, than Tyreek Hill being the best, like, over-the-top threat and Patrick Mahomes being Patrick Mahomes. This is a different offense that we've seen in the past. So if he wins with this offense... Uh, you know, I think that you could say, wow, the guys won, you know, with with a lot of variety there. Um, Patrick Mahomes will always be a part of that conversation, no doubt, uh, just as Tom is with Bill. But to, the fact that you can win with uh, with a lot of different, you know, weapons at your disposal uh, would help kind of put that over the top for me. So, yeah, Andy Reid certainly here uh, with some pressure in the Super Bowl. Curious what your thoughts are on that and who your number five is. Yeah, my number. Well, I'll I'll quickly respond. I, I agree with everything you just said. I think um I think there that all makes a ton of sense. Going from two to three, and Andy, when you start to look at the totality of his career now, one of the things I think will be interesting is that you can make the argument. Oh well, I mean Belichick had even even if Andy say he ends on three, well he had double it. Well, if you look at Andy and Bill in the early 2000s, the only guy who was having more sustained success than Andy Reid was Bill Belichick. Four straight NFC Championship games, made a Super Bowl, lost to Belichick. You know what I mean? It could easily have been flopped around. If if Brady, if, if you know, he had found his Brady Mahomes earlier, you know, it, who's to say that Andy Reid now, you would argue he wouldn't have that many rings, that's but true. Andy age is going to be in it. So I agree with you. I think it's a huge uh, amount of, that's a, that's a great point why he should be at five. Uh, I'll go to my number five. My number five is Kelsey, Travis Kelsey. Um, I, I have a hard time putting him higher. I can, uh, I'll be, if you have him higher than, uh, than, you know, in, in the top three or, you know, or so, I'd be really interested to hear your reasoning. My reasoning for him being on this list is a, is a little bit of what I talked about on the show last week, mainly that the world is going to be watching him specifically. Like, he has the pressure of the world watching him. He also is the go-to guy in this Chiefs offense. He was not the go-to guy in the Chiefs offense early when they first played uh, San Francisco Last year, you can make the argument he was the go-to guy, but he seemed to be more in his prime last year. He's certainly a couple more drops this year. Seems like he's caught up with him a bit, uh, his age and his his ability to make plays, even though he's coming off of a terrific uh, football game. Um, and so I, I think there's on-the-field pressure. I think there's media, scrutiny, eyeball, swifty pressure that gets uh, is getting put on his shoulders as well. And so I think that is all uh, a part of it for for Travis Kelsey. Um, I will say for Travis being, uh, he need to be, he really belongs on this list because of those things. Uh, I, I, you know, we can make an honorable mention once we figure out who's on everyone's list. But there's there's a person I really really wanted to put on this list, but I thought to myself, you know, in the end, the the eyeballs won't be on them, and and, and the eyeballs are a hundred percent on Travis as soon as he. As we talked about, 
says a, a wrong word, shoves a dude, rips his helmet off. It becomes a, a mega, mega story. I, I, you know, if they win, it's the pressure of, is he going to be, is he going to be getting down on one knee? I can't move him higher because yeah. win or lose, he's the luckiest dude on the planet right now. He's dating Taylor Swift. So, um, I, you know, <laughs> I don't think, uh, I, I don't think there's a, it's a, a bad day for Kelsey, no matter what, in a lot of ways. And his, his era of like, you don't need Super Bowls for him to be better than Gronk or better than Tony Gonzalez or better than Antonio Gates. That doesn't matter for tight ends. Playing well and putting up good numbers matters and getting another ring will help. But um, Travis Kelsey's got a different type of pressure on him. And he, I think, certainly belongs in the top five. I think that's fair. I, I'll say right off the top, you know, he's not in my top five list. And that was, I, I j- had him just on the outside here. Um, so, I mean, I agree with you. I, I don't think he could be higher on the list. I debated putting him kind of in there at, at five okay. and stuff like that. I'm going to be interested to see then because I, I figured this yeah. was going to be another one of those where we had the same five. Where we had the same group. Yeah. I, well, I think we actually might have only three similar. I, I kind of yeah. think okay. I, I thought a little outside of the box for a couple of these. All um, right. And All right. So, that's but, fair enough. But, yeah, I, but that is a that's a good point because when you talk about pressure, it, all these other guys have kind of similar types of pressure. Yeah. Travis is the one where it's like that is a unique pressure. And it's that very unique. He is he, he's going to have all eyes, you know, and on and, him you, sure, but. and and I can understand. So the fact that you didn't have him, but he just on the outside. So we're looking at it about the same because if he's about mm. six for you or whatever, you five for me. I would have I would have struggled to put him in the top three because it's like in the end he's still a tight end and in the end his li- his legacy his career everything is set for him a hundred percent first ballot Hall of Famer you know yeah. he's in the top three argument no matter what win or lose um, even a Super Bowl win unless he wins the Super Bowl unless MVP it's like Super Bowl MVP you're right yeah, yeah I like, say that, that, like would be... that would really I mean that would then launch to another thing especially doing that with the pressure he's got of the world watching that's next level like that dude's the dude you know what I mean like that's the man right there uh, yeah so but um, regardless that's added that's not necessarily just pressure going into this game uh, can I can we just can I quickly go to four because yeah, I yeah, think, we can we can do a snake. So kind of thing. I didn't. Yeah. We don't have to. But my four is Andy Reid. So I just again picking up where that conversation is. Then for me, Andy Reid is at number four. Um, the thing I would add to what you had to say because I think you spelled it out really brilliantly. The one thing I would add that I think also is pressure for Andy Reid is as soon as he hosts that Lombardi Trophy, or as soon as he is walking off the field. The first question Andy Reid will be asked, no matter what, is you hanging it up? He's now at that age. He's now at that age where that is legitimately the question he has to be asked. You know what I mean? At the end, whenever his season ends and whatever, however his season ends, that's the question. So in general... Three, you know, when the Niners played the 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 not, you know, the the uh, Chiefs four years ago, that wasn't a thought for Andy Reid. Um, and people, they, it started to creep in last year. Well, is is Big Red going to retire? And I think, especially if he hosts the Lombardi again, that comes that question is going to come with it, whether he likes it or not. Maybe in Andy Reid's mind, he hasn't even thought about retirement. But 
that will be pressure that then is put on him, win or lose. And so that is the type of thing that will start to creep in. And I guarantee you, over the course of the next couple of days, someone is going to ask him. In all these media events that they do, someone's going to ask about it, and that'll become a storyline in and of itself. Andy Reid, is this the final ride for Andy Reid? So that adds pressure. I mean, that adds a ton of pressure because so few guys get to ride off into the sunset. Uh, Tom almost did, and then he couldn't help himself. He came back and, you know, did get to a playoffs, but, you know, then lost. I mean, Peyton did, but Peyton Manning, he rode off of the sunset being carried by Vaughn Miller in, a, in an insane Broncos defense. You know, John Madden retired after a Super Bowl win, right? Uh, there's, you know, so some guys get to do it in the coaching world. Bill Cowher, your guy did, but someone is at the level of Andy Reid, you'd be hard-pressed to think, I can only think off the top of my head, like John Madden, who's in that category, if you'd argue a top-five coach. Cowher's a good coach. I don't think we'd say he's a top-five coach of all time. No. So in that world... He actually left the year after, so he, did, he didn't... Uh, oh, he didn't, he didn't retire after the Super Bowl. Yeah, they, went, oh, okay. they ran it back one more time, uh, but... But so the bus, again, the bus went out on top. Yeah, the bus, you know, so yeah. it's a, I think that's what I would add to what you said. He belongs in the top five, you know, four or five, you know, that's splitting hairs there. So everything you said, plus that added pressure of retirement. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, that is a unique uh, element to this in terms of all of the people on this list or who would be in contention for this list. Um, he's the one where it's like the retirement thing really looming. So I, I agree with you there. Number four for me is a guy I'm going to guess I only have on my list and the one that, you know, might be a little bit more controversial and it's Christian McCaffrey to me. And the reason I say okay. it's Christian McCaffrey is not only did this guy kind of set the stage and the market for what is, what a player of his caliber at the position of running back demands, with that contract came inherent pressure as well for not only the 49ers to look like they made the right choice, which any good employee of any company uh, is motivated or at least wants to be able to let their company say, I made the right choice in hiring that guy, or I made you know, the, the good decision in paying for this. I'm getting a return on my investment. And so Christian McCaffrey had the inherent pressure when signing that contract of being worth it. And he certainly was and, and has lived up to it at this point. But the big reason for them signing him was so that Kyle Shanahan could have a guy that could elevate and take this offense to the next level of running game because they've been able to get production out of the running back position for years. That's what Kyle Shanahan does. He's great yeah. at, at blocking schemes and great at dialing up a run game and then getting the play action off of it and the West Coast, all that stuff. But they needed a running back that could take that great scheme and then also just make amazing plays within it so that you could have a breakdown and still get 60 yards out of it. Right. And so, you know, the reason is they hadn't been able to get over the hump over the years and they did get to the Super Bowl one time, lost it and then couldn't get back. And so getting Christian McCaffrey, the thought is this is the guy we need to be able to get ourselves there again. And so yeah. Christian, you're there now. You're there with, you know, Mr. Irrelevant at quarterback, uh, you know, nearly undrafted guy leading this team, Kyle Shanahan, who the the narrative has been that he can't win the big game. And this 49ers team hasn't been able to win in 30 years. They went out and got you and they've been able to lean on you all season long. You're a MVP finalist. 
Now's your chance to let the team lean on you and to be that guy that, you know, they don't need to pass the ball 50 times this game to be able to win yeah. and to beat a Mahomes in some sort of shootout type of deal that they can they can get you uh, the touches you need and you can then return in return, uh, provide the production and the win that they desperately need to. So I think him as a player, it may be as uh, under as much pressure, you know, as any 49er in terms of what they need, what the team needs from them in order to get a win. And I think Christian McCaffrey is a, a huge part of what this team needs this upcoming week. Yeah, that's interesting. You make a great point there. I, I, he's not on my list. So I will say that now he is. Um, and he, he fell around seven as I was putting this together. And I think the reason why I struggled to have him, I guess it's just the different way we look at pressure, right? To me, I'm not, if I, if I'm, if we're talking about next week, right now, the 49ers lose and Christian McCaffrey, the only way I feel like I would blame him for a 49ers loss is if it's like he makes the giant mistake, right? Because if he gets, if he gets, you know, only 10 carries because they get down early and they got to throw the ball a ton, like that's not on him. You know what I mean? Like that's not his fault. If they, if right. so, so I'm with you. I a hundred percent get what you're saying. He, there is pressure. He was the missing kind of piece. They gave up a ton to get him. Um, I yeah. just think that if he, I, I think he needs to proactively. He needs to be aggressive. Be really he needs good to be, early. Yeah, um, he needs to break. To have a chance needs, to win. You're right. He you needs. Know? He needs to. He needs to on that first carry of the game, get positive yards so they can continue to feel like we can keep going to Christian McCaffrey, and we can lean on him in this game. I, I get you 100 yeah. percent because if Brock Purdy is even a little shaky early on. You're not going to wave the light flag and just give up, and 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 part of that is going to be going on Christian. Yeah, maybe I had him too low. Um, and you're right. Well, look, I mean, there's there's arguments for a lot of guys, so it's you know certainly it's, a deserving it's MVP. Easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and so, and then I'll I'll go with my number three, and then we'll toss it to you for your third. For three, for me, is his teammate Brock Purdy. So I yep. I think Purdy okay. does have more pressure, obviously, being just in general being in the quarterback position. Now you could you could also make the argument both ways for this too. In that, look, the guy doesn't have anything to prove. He won, you know, multiple playoff games. He was undefeated for the first seven eight games of his career, leading the team to the NFC Championship game before getting hurt last year, and then brings the team all the way back to the Super Bowl in year two. So you always say, "Wow, he's way outperformed expectations for a guy who was taken with the last pick in the draft." But on the flip side, you could also say, "Okay, but." From Purdy's perspective, from Shanahan's perspective, from the 49ers, they don't care about that anymore. That's yeah. not the narrative that they're looking at. They're saying, no, this is going to be our franchise quarterback, and you don't get to the Super Bowl every year unless you're Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady. And so this is this might be the only shot we have to help bring this team back to you know paradise where they were 30 years ago. And so for Brock Purdy, you have the weight of – the curse of the 49ers quarterback that has been the last 30 yeah. years of like, can we get a quarterback that gets us there? You've had good, you know, guys taken high, like Alex Smith, you've traded for a guy like Jimmy Garoppolo. You've had Colin Kaepernick get to a Super Bowl, and you haven't been able to win it. Well, we've got you now. And so Brock as the quarterback, it's just what comes with the position. You are, you have just general pressure of what a yeah. quarterback has in a Super Bowl. 
But on top of it, you have the pressure of a fan base of a franchise that's been snake bitten. And you probably have personally some inherent pressure that you put on yourself to help your coach finally get the ring that your coach has been seeking for all of these years and hasn't been able to get. So there's a lot of that in there. And then on top of it, the narrative around you in the media lately for some odd reason has been, oh, you know, he's a game manager. And so yeah, do you, you, you don't want to just win the Super Bowl. He'll be happy to win it, but he wants to be able to throw three touchdowns. He wants to throw 300 yards. He wants to make the game winning drive at the end of this game to quell all of those, you know, naysayers and to shove it in their face and, uh, and to be the solidified bona fide, no questions asked. I am the 49ers quarterback for the next decade. And we just won a Super Bowl. Let's get ready for a dynasty of our own. So that there is a lot of pressure there on Brock Purdy. I feel he could probably yeah, ton, go higher, honestly, ton of pressure. And I have him at three as well. And, um, you know, when you, when you, when I was listening to you right now, you you said everything really well, and I think it, towards the end is where I want to kind of pick up the argument for me and, and why he's so high, is that when you look at Brock Purdy now historically, he has an opportunity to literally his career, the start of it, mimic Tom Brady almost to a T, like, uh, like yeah. absolutely to a T. Um. When we talk about the greatest quarterbacks of all time, if you give a, a just a generic, oh, the top five quarterbacks of all time, Manning, Brady, Mahomes, you know, Elway, Marino, Favre, Rodgers, every single one of those guys is there for a reason, mainly physical, right? Like El Elway, Marino's uh, mobility and arm strength, Rodgers' escapability, big play arm, um, uh, you know, Marino, the greatest spiral you've ever seen in your life. I mean, just an absolute cannon. Uh, Manning, 6'5", big, strong, could shug off defenders. Uh, the most accurate quarterback of all time and had the biggest brain of all time, at, you know, of a quarterback. And then there's Tom Brady, who you, I can make the argument, you know, Manning saw the game in his prime better than Brady. I can make the argument that he's was never as athletic near or close to it as Rodgers, any of those other guys. But Brady enters that tier one and was always a tier one quarterback during his career, especially after that second Super Bowl. You thought of him as an as a elite tier one. He was never tier two when we talk about the guys. He was always tier one for his, for his career after that like second year of starting in a second Super Bowl. And that was then 20-plus years of, of being in Tier 1. Why? Because he is the greatest game manager that we've ever seen. And he became so good at managing the game that then the game slowed down for him. In year 10, that's when he started putting up those insane numbers, right? By year 10 in the league, he starts going off for 50 touchdowns to Randy Moss and all these things. It's like, oh, well, now the game is easy. And now he takes advantage of the fact that he is 6'5", and he is big and strong, and he and he and he's now as smart as anyone who's ever played the game besides for Peyton Manning. And then was able to, unlike Manning, let his career physically last longer with the pliability stuff, with the TB12. Well, Brock Purdy has a chance to be the only guy to mimic the start of Tom Brady's career almost perfectly and put himself in that 
that type of then air where you start having to say like, okay, well, if he does this again and he goes on the, and he repeats the season he had, because remember, if you look at statistically, Brock Purdy had the best statistical quarterback season this year. So if he does that again after winning a Super Bowl and then maybe is in a Super Bowl again next year or in another year from now, it's like, well, you really have to start talking about him as, as, a, as a person to be compared to with Brady. So that that's pressure. Look at what Russell Wilson did for 10 years after that Super Bowl win. It set him up. We talked about Russell Wilson like, I can't believe he's never got an MVP vote, blah, 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 blah. And, you know, Russell's everything. Russell was a first ballot Hall of Famer until the last two years have just fizzled out for him. And Brock Purdy, I think, has a chance to really, I don't think he's Tom Brady because he doesn't have the size and he doesn't have the physicality. And, and that's an underrated thing with Tom. And I think that's what made him the most elite game manager of all time. Someone who's not blessed with just the Lamar Jackson physical skill, but because he was actually six, right. five and he worked on his pliability, the longevity mixed with the arm and the accuracy in the brain is what makes him the greatest of all time. But Brock Purdy could end up having a career that's very similar to Russell Wilson's. If he gets himself a Super Bowl. Um, or breeze, Unders- I mean, yeah, well, yeah, you know. undersized, accurate, you know what I mean? But a leader of men, and uh, really, you know, sees the game, works within a system really, really well. So there's a ton of pressure on him. And on the flip side, winning a Super Bowl is great. And it, it, it'll bring a whole level of pressure with him because you're now thrust into this A category, right? And this, now you got to pay the guy and all these things. But losing a Super Bowl, imagine losing the Super Bowl in your Brock Purdy and you throw the game, throw, you know, losing interception. Or your yeah. small hands because of, you know, uh, 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 you didn't see the pressure right and you fumble the football. Or you you when your team needs you to lead a drive, you go three and out. And you end up being, you know, 21 of 33 with 170 yards, uh, an interception, and no touchdowns. Well, well, then your career could be over. Like, I mean, and that's what's crazy is that no other team is going to look at Brock Purdy if the Niners move on from him because they lose the Super Bowl and go, oh, give me Brock Purdy, I'll take him. Because the narrative is, well, it's Kyle Shanahan. He's just got Kyle Shanahan, and he's got all those players. So no one has more to, to lose. There's, I think there's two people who have more to gain, but no one has more to lose than Brock Purdy going into Super, the Super Bowl this weekend, and I firmly believe that. No one has more to lose because if he yeah. loses and he's bad in the loss, his career could be over. Like they'll bring in competition. I, people, people will, people would give him another shot. Well, I, he'll get, but Sam again, Arnold, shot. But again he'll get, no, no, I'm not going to say he's not going to start next year, but I mean, it's done. Yeah. We'll talk about him like Kirk Cousins. Well, yeah, it doesn't matter. Niners doesn't matter. We'll talk yeah, about them. Like we yeah. talk about the Cowboys. Oh, they're great. They're 10 wins and Brock Purdy's thrown for 4,000 yards. Doesn't matter. Can't win the big one. Like, he's he's Kirk Cousins. It doesn't matter. Like, that'll be there, the Niners. Yeah. And so, he has so... And, and then again, if he if they lose, and then next year he doesn't have the miraculous season and people kind of get the more, more tape and things work out, like, his career will be over because they're not paying him anything. And then you you're not going to then pay him when he loses and performs bad in a Super Bowl, and then maybe, yeah, he gets a job somewhere else, but he has a chance to go from your career is mimicking Tom Brady 
or your career could be over in a year and a half. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Journey, it's crazy. Then, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. All right, I'll uh, I'll let you go with uh, your number two guy then. My number well. my my back. number two is the is the other signal caller. It's Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. I I think um, uh, I I put him ahead of Purdy because going from not in the Hall of Fame to in the Hall of Fame is an incredibly tough task, right? There are some incredible football players who are not in the Hall of Fame. Devin Hester, I could think of one. You know, uh, Olin Krutz, I'm going, of course, of my own guys. Peanut Tillman. Ken, Kenny Anderson. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the Hall I mean, of Very Good is uh, The Hall is of Very, very Good is, it, and, it, and it is, these are dudes who are great, great players. But going from a Hall of Famer to Michael Jordan, you know, Dominique Wilkins is in the NBA Hall of Fame, the Basketball Hall of Fame. <laughs> He's not Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um. You know, there I can think of other exa- you know, other examples. But you know, Arnold Palmer is an all-time great golfer, and he's he's a, a fantastic. But he's not Tiger Woods. Yeah. And so yeah. the the level of of difference between Dwayne Wade's in the Hall of Fame, LeBron James is also going to be in the Hall of Fame. There's a difference. Yep. Yep. So that's that, what like the NFL's top 100 that they did five or six years ago with Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick kind of like bringing yeah. on a panel of guys to talk about it. That's like a good way of thinking about it. like there's so many more players in the Hall of Fame, but to make the top 100 greatest players to ever play in 100 plus years yeah. of the sport, that's next level. And yeah. And, I, and what's crazy is Mahomes is probably already on that list. Yeah. I would agree. But, and that's yeah. why the pressure of like, and how much it takes to go up another notch, right? To go from in the 30s, 40s, 50s, where he probably is, to in the 20s, is this Super Bowl, right? And losing doesn't drop him farther down the list. He's on the list. He's there, right? If he makes five more Super Bowls and loses every one of them, he's not going to drop down the list. He's just not. Because... We know how hard it is to make Super Bowls. And Tom Brady mm-hmm. lost how many Super Bowls? Four, three? Uh, he lost two to the two to Manning, like one was, to Foles. Um, he lost three? I think he lost four. I think he was seven and four in Super Bowls. Um, yeah. So you, you know, you you start to look at all of that and you say to yourself, like, it, it's okay. Like that that's not gonna change his it's not going to change his trajectory too much, right? Um, yeah. But the win. No, but it, this is a legacy thing. The win. Yeah, I mean, it's it's Michael Jordan. I mean, it's going from Dominique Wilkins. It's going from Dwayne Wade, one of the five greatest shooting guards of all time, to no, no, no. You now you're Kobe Bryant. Now you're Michael Jordan. Now you're in the top. Now you're in the top two shooting guards of all time. Yeah, he gets yeah. three, and he gets three this quickly. And the way he's gotten it, with would be a third most likely Super Bowl MVP. That is the difference between being the sixth greatest shooting guard of all time or fifth greatest in Dwayne Wade. And now the only two that are in the discussion are Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. And yeah. And, and, and like that is, that's it. I mean, that that's what Mahomes can do here. Now I will say there is also the loss the, on the loss side for Mahomes. And I'll turn it over to you and, and get your thoughts on this too. He's, he has lost, but we don't criticize him for the Super Bowl loss because he they were so injured. 
And the tackles, I mean, it was so obvious what was wrong. And there was nothing they could do about it. You went from two starting tackles to two backup tackles, really like two third-string tackles, and there's nothing you could do about it, right? right? Like, the, it, it, and, and, and it was against a historically great front seven for Tampa. Like, it was a, a nightmare scenario. So we don't criticize it. If Mahomes' stat line is something along the lines of one touchdown, 50% completion percentage, two interceptions, a fumble, like if he has a bad, bad game, that could mean something in a, in a really negative way. And I, and I don't expect that, but that's also pressure, right? And he knows that going into it. And then I'll end with this. I mean, he's not getting any help from his family. And, and uh, you know, the news out of with his dad with a third DWI, yeah. that is a real problem. And at some point in time, Patrick has to be the matriarch, the patriarch of this family and really, and really start to look them all in the eyes and be like, you got to stop. My brother is getting sexual assault allegations. Got videos coming out. My wife's pouring champagne on people. And my dad is now his second DWI in the time I've been in the NFL. Um, and now he could be facing, facing legi- prison, legitimate yeah. jail time. And and he should. I mean, it's at the point now where Patrick Mahomes Sr. should neither A, give up driving, or B, give up drinking. You only have two options after your third one, right? You have mm-hmm. two options. Because that's the third time you've been caught. Exactly. That's not the third exactly. time you've done it. It's the exactly. third time you've been caught. So you, if you're Pat, you got to go to dad and say, you got two options here, dad. Stop driving or stop drinking. You tell me which one you want to do, and I'll support you either way. So it's a it, that adds on to it because he's going to have to answer a question about that today or tomorrow whenever they first meet the media. And that is it. that is just, again, what makes Patrick probably also so special and unique when his story is written, especially if he wins this Super Bowl. He'll have won three Super Bowls in the early part of his career in, in 15 years from now, we'll look back and be like, and he had to deal with his brother as a distraction, his wife as a distraction, his dad as a distraction, and his head coach's son during one of the Super Bowls yeah. was, was yep. a distraction. Yep. So how He's had he to was, handle a lot, you know. So, you know, and, and so um, that is, uh, that's part of what makes a pressure on Mahomes. Yeah, yeah, no, there's the internal family pressure, no doubt about it. And that's, I mean, that's, that's a lot of pressure to put on a, you know, you got, people forget he's still a young guy. I mean, he's 28 years old, yeah. um, but he's been dealing with this since he was, you know, 23 or 24. So it's like, yeah, it, you know, it's, that that's a lot of, that's a heavy burden to bear uh, for a lot of people in general, let alone someone who's got it, you know, out there in the limelight for all to see. So that is, that that's a great point about that aspect of the pressure as well. And he comes in as no, at number two for me, for many of the same reasons that you outlined. So I'm not going to rehash most of those, but I will kind of piggyback off of what you said about the third ring, because, you know, I, I mentioned it earlier. It, 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 it's bizarre because it's only one, it's only a, a number one. And a lot of people could say that these are arbitrary distinctions in terms of like how many uh, you've got or, or have one less, but, you know, having one fewer Super Bowl than the Bradshaws, than the Montanas of the world, doesn't it, it, it's just it's hard to describe to people maybe who aren't sports fans. Um, but you know, the that one Super Bowl gap doesn't really matter. But two two kind of does. Like people can make the argument, well, you only want two, and like Bradshaw won four, and Montana won four, and Brady won seven. Like the, these guys won 
so it many gives, and, and two two it gives for some their reason just argument feels credit like yeah it, yeah it does it does and you could say okay well you're in just that tier below you know like ben won two and eli won two and you know there's a, there's a lot of guys that have won you know a couple uh not a lot but there, there are more that have won a couple than have won three plus so for some reason like three is that benchmark where it's like okay you, you've legitimately uh won in in many different ways and and it's different from winning three in a row versus okay he's been to six AFC championships he's been to four Super Bowls and won three it's like no you've you've weathered that storm a lot more than just kind of like riding a a three year wonder so from that aspect of it yeah there there is the pressure of like getting that third ring and kind of getting over that hump and kind of solidifying yourself totally I, they're, they're certainly a dynasty already. I don't think many people would argue that, but when you get, but to get three would be, there are just, it, it's, it, you are the, the chiefs of the, you know, yeah, 20, 20 well, you can't even say 2020s cause they yeah. want it, you know, just the, the chiefs before, era. But yeah, but, it, but it's that era of like 2018 to 2024, you know, and then beyond there'll be finally that, you know, decade gap where you could say, well, they won three titles, you know, even if they don't win it again uh, from now until 2028, while they won three titles in that 10 year window, you know, that's, you can say that. uh, And it holds more water than saying they want to, uh, you know, in, in, in that. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, that's, that's a big aspect of it all. And so I do think that that's important, especially for the legacy element uh, when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and being able to say that. And then, you know, also to his credit and um, what's what's the bright side of all of this is even if he doesn't get over that hump yet, he has so much time yeah. to still get his third and fourth. And so it won't be the end of the world, which no. is why maybe I don't put him at number one, because, you know, his the way the world is on your shoulders, your Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, the, the pressure is always on for Tiger Woods to win the Masters. And, and, and when he comes up short, it does feel like the weight of the world's on your shoulders. But if you're 24 year old tiger and you haven't won, uh, you know, you're, or, well, I guess what, he didn't win his first masters till, till he was a little bit older, I believe. Right. So, but, but anyway, 28 no, year masters old tiger, is where he, he burst onto the scene and, and dominated. Was it, was it his first? Okay. So then that was like 2000. Uh, um, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd have to. Okay. But anyway, yeah. If you don't win your third masters and your tiger by 25, you know, uh, you still got plenty of time, you know, to keep, getting those uh those yeah. championships under your belt um I, so i i do think that there's something to be said for that but um there's no question that he's under pressure i would add i think this is great when you mention with like the four versus you know two and that argument is really really valid we we rush we as sports fans we rush to start putting a guy into the list right or into the onto the mount rushmore before their career is completely written in stone. And I think um, I think if Patrick Mahomes loses this Super Bowl, we would all bet tomorrow if the odds came out, will he have it, will he get to three? I think everyone would say yes. Like he still got the time. The smart bet is you'd still get to three. Yeah. But you do you you do have to wonder, and you know, these things are hard to get to. They're making it look easy, but they are hard to get to. And if and if we look back and if in ten years from now, fifteen years from now, we're looking back and it's like he's still sitting at two, like that will be the thing that then weighs more in his legacy than than you know uh, than anything else. So 
he'll still be considered an all-time great. And I think a lot of people would still put him above the Bradshaws, the Aikmans, who have more rings than Abs- him because yes, his physical talent and with the eye test and all those things. But if you're a diehard for some of those guys, it winning them and putting the rings on your finger, actual rings, is always an argument that is hard to fight against. And you're, it's, mm-hmm. you, it's like uh, when you're in a murder trial. The burden of proof is on you to prove to me that without the rings, he's, you know what I mean? He's better. Exactly. You're, you um, have, there's more legwork to be done. More legwork to be done. And so th- that brings in the pressure. And I will say, to finalize our discussion here on Pat, um, he's just he's just so much fun. And 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 I wonder what winning three would will do for him. Will we get to the point where it's not fun anymore? Like, right? You know what I mean? Is it gonna? Because right now it's it's still very fun because he himself, the way he plays, the way he wins, the way he throws the football, the way he escapes in the pocket, it's just fun. It's he's he's cool. He's just good at it and it and it makes yeah. it look so yeah. easy and he doesn't turn the ball over he doesn't he doesn't do stupid things like it's just and so i wonder how long that lasts and maybe the answer is it goes away quickly if he starts doing you know 50 touchdown seasons again he's had this kind of run now last year he won the mvp but this year it wasn't a big statistical year for him he wasn't like the runaway mvp guy because the offense changed but if they go out and get him a Mike Evans type and he throws for 50 touchdowns next year after winning a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP and maybe another MVP next year, maybe it'll be less fun for us yeah. who aren't fans of the Chiefs. We'll, we'll respect him. It'll get into that Brady like, I respect him, but it's less fun. I don't. Maybe it won't. Maybe just his playing style will always be fun. It's hard yeah. not to root for him, but I also think there's the pressure in that as well is that He's a really likable guy. And with that comes pressure because you know it can turn in any minute. And I'm sure him and his PR team, they know that too as they're dealing with the news with his dad and all these other things. They got to handle this right and they got to handle it well. If he comes out and says something stupid at the media, like, oh, it's not a real big deal, blah, 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 that'll backfire. That'll backfire quickly. Yeah. And advertisers are going to want a strong message and he's going to have to deliver it. And, um, you know, it adds to the 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 mystic, uh, you know, kind of godlikeness uh, of the early part of Patrick Mahomes' career. Yeah, no, it is important to to his legacy, how he, yeah, you know, performs this upcoming weekend, uh, but also just how he handles everything, which he's he's always uh, handled the media well. So I have no reason to think that that won't uh, continue. And yeah, for the record, Tiger Woods won it in '97, so I don't know what I'm talking about. He was, yeah. he was 22, yeah. So you were right. He, was, he he won all the you know majors by the time he was like 25. He had, he had the won yeah, all he had the Tiger and, Grand Slam you know. by yeah. yeah. But then Tiger had the drought yeah. from 08 to 2018. Yes, uh, yeah, where he wasn't or 2019 exactly. with the injuries yeah. with the he won nothing and he was stuck on 15. And you know what I mean, like that. Similar That's what to made Tom. 19 so special was that it was. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, like Tom, well, went the, through the and Tom had three for so long. Like we talked about it. There was a legitimate argument when Peyton won his second that Peyton's the greatest of all time. And then Tom's second, the the third, the fourth part of his career, whatever you want to say it, 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 it yeah. denounced everything. It, exactly. Um, the thing that Patrick has that he's got going for him right now, too, is that 
if he gets three, unlike Tom, where Tom played for so long, Patrick won't have to play for 20 years. If he if he gets four or five, you know what I mean, in the next if he if he's if we're talking 2030 and he's at five, you know, the dude doesn't have to play until he's 45 years old. He doesn't. Like exactly. he just doesn't. Yeah. Because he'll have, like I don't think he'll go a decade. Like I, he'll yeah, have, I don't think he'll, he'll have shown enough. He'll have proven enough. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, number one for me, I suspect the same for you is Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, uh, the guy needs this win more than, um, you know, most have needed a Super Bowl win in their lifetimes. Uh, you know, you can talk about the twenty-eight to three when he was offensive coordinator for the Falcons and blowing the biggest Super Bowl lead ever. Uh, you know, an embarrassing moment for him gets the job out in San Francisco. You know, has something to prove, proves that he can get an offense turned around real quick and 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 produce. Uh, gets back to the Super Bowl, but loses, uh, and especially a Super Bowl that they could have won, uh, you know, but they just missed on a couple of things here and there and, uh, you know, couldn't get over that hump, then struggled to get back in the years remaining afterwards, and, and now finally gets back with, you know, uh, a homegrown, his homegrown quarterback, if you will, not a guy that was, you know, gotten for him by the front office and Jimmy Garoppolo, but a guy that you know, he said, hey, we're getting rid of Trey Lance. We're leaning into Brock Purdy. Yeah. We got Christian McCaffrey to help run this system perfectly. We have a healthy team. Debo is, you know, should be fully healthy. We, we've got the pieces in place. So, you know, Kyle, you, you've got one of the best defenses you've had in your tenure as well at your disposal. So you could argue that Kyle Shanahan has the best 49ers team that he's had in the seven years that he's been the head coach. So this is your time to shine because everything has lined up. Uh, you know, you could argue all day that you don't have Patrick Mahomes, but only one team does. And that's just how it goes. So when you get to the Super Bowl, you got to make a count. And that's really all it boils down to is you are the head of the ship. You're the guy that, that steers this thing. And it's up to you at the end of the day. You can't have the excuses of Jimmy just missed that throw uh, you can't have the excuse of, you know, the Falcons, you know, fumbling the football and, and just not being able to to get positive yardage on some of those runs. No, it's like you're the guy calling the shots. You're calling the plays. And now you're also calling the entire operation. Uh, this is on you, man. You got to get over it. And that's tough. It's it's tough to win Super Bowls. It's tough to get there. Um, you know, we saw with Buffalo, they lost four in a row. It can happen. But yeah, Kyle's got to do it. And he's got to do it for a fan base that they got there before him too and didn't win. It's been 30 years. They're a storied franchise. Like there's a lot of those elements in play too, all of yep. which are on the shoulders of one Mr. Kyle Shanahan. You nailed it. I would add, I think there'd be something really poetic if the game comes down to Brock Purdy overthrowing Brandon Ayuk oh, by like three just, yards. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I do think there'd be something punch. poetic. Then you could argue. Shanahan's just cursed like it's not his fault like you know what I mean yeah um it'd almost be like okay for him uh that his legacy is like oh this guy no never mind he's yeah. just he's just screwed yeah. you know we just made the argument that the leap from hall of fame to not hall of fame to, to hall of fame is not as important as like hall of famer to goat and so we're making kind of the reverse argument for Shanahan in a sense. Like, but the problem is like Shanahan's already built up a resume, even without a ring that it feels like 
he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory. I mean, there's no, no denying this guy is one of the two or three best coaches in the NFL. Um, and and really a, a Super Bowl victory would propel him instantly to be talked about amongst that elite of elite coaches to to do it in this sport because of the way he has built this program, the what he did with Atlanta's offense and Matt Ryan. Like it's un, we, we can see with our eyes his coaching tree. So much about a great coach. And one of the things I think dings Bill Belichick but helps Andy Reid and now is really helping Shanahan. Look at their coaching tree. And look how successful the tree is. That goes to show you they built something that is uh, that is 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 unique enough, but actually can be put on paper and used somewhere else, as opposed to Belichick just being this unique enigma that you can't figure out and no one can learn from. Um, Shanahan is a special, special football coach, but the pressure is on him because. Trey Lance, it's a name. He's not on a roster, but his ghost and presence looms large for the San Francisco 49ers team. Because after the 2020 Super Bowl, when they lost 30-21, to what happened? The next year, they ran it back. They were confident with Jimmy G, but he got injured, and they sputtered. There was a lot of C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins and sputtering in that 2020-2021 season. And then what did they do after that season? They drafted Trey Lance. They traded up from the teens to number three overall, and they gave up a ton of picks to go get the guy because, you know what? Uh, this team is special. This coach is special. The roster is special. They need to be special at quarterback. And a criticism of Kyle Shanahan is, you took a guy who is, by all accounts, the raw tools, the raw talent, and you couldn't make him into a starting quarterback. And Trey Lance will probably never be a starting quarterback. Now, maybe Trey Lance's own failures kind of absolves Shanahan about that a little bit. Maybe just they they whiffed, and he was never, no matter how great of a coach, the greatest coach in NFL history could not have made Trey Lance into a starting quarterback. Maybe. You kind of hope if you're Kyle Shanahan for his legacy, Trey Lance never starts and is never good because that's that'll be the that'll be the defense he has. Like, no, I just couldn't yeah, do it. He's yeah. he's so big. He's Jamarcus Russell. He just can't play. Can't play. But right now, it's a ding on his legacy. And a way that gets solved is that remember a year ago, the Niners were just lost an NFC title game with Brock Purdy getting injured, and the talk was well. You rehab Purdy, but it's a competition at quarterback between him and Lance going into it next year, and we'll see what happens. That was the talk a year ago. And now Trey Lance is a fart in the wind. He's an afterthought. He's a nothing, right? Because Kyle Shanahan, the report was that Kyle Shanahan went into the owners and the the GM's office and the owner's office and said, you're going to hate this. But the truth is that kid, the seventh rounder, the last big overall, is the best quarterback on our roster, and he should be the starting quarterback. It was Kyle yeah. Shanahan that had the conviction to do that. And so it's Kyle Shanahan's job to make sure that that kid performs and that that kid uh, helps the Niners win a Super Bowl. They have the better roster. They have the better defense. They have the better skill positions on offense. Offensive line is probably 50-50. The difference is... You have the head coach 
with the puppet quarterback, the Niners versus the Zen master of Andy Reid. He's this kind of, he reminds me a lot of Phil, um, Phil Jackson for the Bulls. Like just this mm, kind of enigma yeah. and his own unique dude. Only with Phil Jackson, it was like smoking weed. And with Andy Reid, it's like eat a steak and just relax. You know what I mean? But they're very, these kind of Zen, calm, funny, unique, quirky guys in their own way, but great and brilliant. And then, you know, it's it's the greatest quarterback on in the sport on the other sideline. So it's a ton of pressure on Shanahan. Losing will will just continue to tarnish a legacy that should be one of a Hall of Fame coach. And he may not get in if he never wins one. And that's a uh, that's a lot of pressure. It is. That is. And to kind of go off of what you said with the one to get the Super Bowl, that puts you in pretty elite company. Uh, I just looked it up. Only 21 coaches have won a Super Bowl in yeah. NFL history. Uh, you know, 13 have won multiple um, and another eight have won a single one. So, you know, you're putting yourself already in elite company that that less than a, than two dozen other people can lay claim to. So for you to even win one is, um, you know, is a big accomplishment there for Kyle Shanahan. So yeah, there's, there's tons of, of pressure in that regard. And, and that's why we both have him at number one. Uh, let's transition Mark into some of the news from throughout the league as we get ready to close out the show here and, and, and talk about all these different hires because, you know, they've, they've kind of come in staggered moments. Uh, a lot of teams kind of doing their interviews over yeah. throughout the process. And, you know, some trying to do interviews with coaches that were still in the playoffs and everything. And so now that obviously is down to just two staffs getting ready for the Super Bowl. So things, pictures have become more clear. Uh, you know, I may have missed a couple in, in this list here, uh, but I, I'm going to name off uh, a few of the more recent hires. And, you know, you feel free to add any in there as we discuss yeah. kind of what teams – and and fan bases i have the um, whole list here as well excited. okay perfect yeah because i i think i only have like six that i've i've written down yeah so far and that is uh you know arthur smith uh former falcons head coach going to pittsburgh as the offensive coordinator there cliff kingsbury uh, is going to join dan quinn in washington as the offensive coordinator there so bad news for eric b who uh, is still on the staff well but no that was i was now... just about to break that news to you adam Schefter ah. just reported he will not be with Adam Schefter four minutes ago. Uh, Dan Quinn confirmed that Eric Bieniemy will not return to the Washington staff. So well, Bieniemy is a free agent now, which is <laughs> a good thing. I think there are still some teams that could use him as an assistant head coach slash offensive, you know, assistant things like that. I think there's plenty of jobs yeah. out there still for Eric Bieniemy. Absolutely, uh, former Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze. Uh, going to the Raiders, who appear yeah. to have Cliff Kingsbury in their grasp. Uh, but then, uh, you know, for whatever reason, he ended up going to Washington. They get Luke Getze there in Vegas. Ken Dorsey, a former offensive coordinator for the Bills that got fired early this past season, uh, is going to Cleveland to be their offensive coordinator. We have Liam Cohen from the Rams going to Tampa Bay and Clint Kubiak from the Kyle Shanahan led San Francisco 49ers is going to be the offense coordinator for the new Orleans yeah, Saints. son of Gary uh, after this son of Gary Kubiak longtime NFL head coach as Clint, well is that did I get Gary. everything there Clint, yeah, yeah. Um, that's, <laughs> first of his those, name those are the new ones you know overall we you know when you look at the coaching cycle for this year I think a couple things stand out to me if I was a fan of any new head coach 
there's only two that I'm like pumped about, right? And that's Jim Harbaugh in 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 uh, the Chargers. I think we we would be if I was a fan of that team, I'd be I'd be ecstatic. I would yeah. feel like he's going to come in. He's going to take so much pressure off my quarterback. What Harbaugh always does is establish the run, physical team. It's something that Justin Herbert has not a- ever had, and I think that is uh, that would be feel great. I'd feel really good if I was the Raiders because you're in a tough spot and you get Antonio Pierce to stay. That feels like you're creating something that you know what it's in the image of a Dan Quinn led, uh, Mike Vrabel led. Where I we have the uh, you know we have the CEO, the former player, the culture setter, which we desperately need right now in our franchise. And so I'd be pumped about that. And then there's a couple things I'd be like if I was the Falcons with Raheem Morris, I'd be like okay, wait and see. I wouldn't be thrilled especially when you need a quarterback and you're an offensive team goes defense fire. He seems again to be in that mold of like, he'll set the tone second chance, you know, Gerard Mayo Patriots. It's hard to fill the shoes. If I was a Patriots fan, I personally would have liked to have them just gone a completely different, like go outside the box, go away from the tree. But um, Gerard Mayo again, in the mold of the kind of Houston Texans mold of, you know, get the young defensive culture setter, former player with the team, and now, you know, D'Amico Rines and now, you know, Gerard Mayo. Um, uh, Brian Callahan with the Titans, I would have not loved letting go of Mike Vrabel, but if you're going to move on from a defensive guy, you bring in an offensive guy who knows, who just, you know, helped Joe Burrow become a star, who can help your young quarterback. So I'd be, I think I'd be leaning positive there. And then to be honest, you know, the Panthers with Dave Canales, Seahawks with Mike McDonald, Commanders with with uh, Dan Quinn. It's wait and see. I, I don't hate yeah. any of the hires, but I feel like all of them are very, very wait and see. And um, that's that's how you feel about most head coaching hires, though. You know what I mean? Unless you're the team that gets the one or two guys who's a star, it's a lot like your team's a free agency. There's always like five or six players who are like, oh, I really want them. Then after that, it's like, Cool, that's a good ad. It should be fine. Did we overpay? No. Okay. Well, let's wait and see. It's a crapshoot a lot of the times. It's a crapshoot. A lot of them are first-time head coaches too. So you just have you have no really frame of reference into how what their operation looks like. You know what will be really exciting for me now is that now the staffs are set. Is what moves do these teams start making? Because exactly to me, it feels really much so that the commanders are going to be going trying to go all in on Caleb Williams and go from two to one will seemingly feels like it should be an easy thing, but if it's to give up on a generational quarterback, it could take a lot. So that we'll have to keep our eye on. To me, it feels like the Patriots also need to be aggressive in getting the guy they want at quarterback. If you're going to go in the mold of the D'Amico Ryans, go get the guy you want. Don't just take whoever's left there at three at quarterback. That doesn't seem like a good a good plan, right? Um, the the Raiders obviously should be aggressive with getting the quarterback. Atlanta, you're going with a defensive head coach. You should be aggressive in going to get the quarterback, whether that's in the free agency or in the draft. There are there are those four teams to me seem like okay. Washington, Patriots, Atlanta, Raiders. You have to be aggressive in going to get your quarterback if you are. Seattle, take a year. Maybe roll with Geno again. Figure out where you're on the draft. Maybe there's a free agent or a quarterback that falls to you that you like, but you don't have to be like 
aggressive to go get the quarterback. So that's now where the conversation to me turns. And uh, I really love all the stuff I'm already starting to see about Washington and, and trying to go for Caleb Williams because if they really want Caleb Williams, they have not played the cards close to their vest. You yeah, go hire yeah. his college coach uh, who just worked with him for years, an offensive assistant and a quarterback's coach. Uh, and uh, the guy who was the Mahomes, you know, coach in college, and, and everyone's comparing Caleb to Mahomes. You know, it. it he's Worked with uh, he, Kyler Murray, obviously. You he's know, from yeah. he's <laughs> from Washington, Caleb Williams. So that just upped the asking price. But maybe the new owner, the rich new owner, is going to be willing to pay whatever that price might be. Yeah, curious to see how that plays out because obviously your Bears will be uh, on the on the receiving end of whatever price that is. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you move back one spot, you could still get Marvin Harrison Jr. Or if they really did want to, I don't know, go for a quarterback that I guess they could still have their pick of uh, other quarterbacks in that spot as well. But um, also wanted to say, you know, because, they, you know, it happened, uh, you know, early last week and um, and we didn't dedicate too much time to it. But my initial reaction to Arthur Smith going to Pittsburgh was kind of just a, a neutral take. I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't feel bad about it. I wasn't elated either. Just kind of seemed like a, a not the home run smash that I was maybe looking for. Uh, but honestly, as time's gone on, I've, I've felt better and better about the hire and, and more encouraged. I think you it. should. So I really think, I really think it could be, uh, it could be that home run hit that, you know, initially I didn't think it was just because, the guy's track record as an OC in the short time he was in Tennessee uh, was paid great. huge dividends and and made some massive turnarounds. Um, and I like he his made Ryan Tannehill and, get paid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he turned the guy's career around. And yes, they had Derrick Henry, of course, but you know, he was still he was still the guy you know pulling the strings on on the other end of that. And his philosophy seems to really match what Pittsburgh has the capability to do today and still young enough and has that, you know, ingenuity to be a guy of the future as well. Oh. So that is exciting. I'm looking forward to that. I but, will I um, agree with them, Arthur Smith. I think you should be you shouldn't be down on it. I also to me, if I was a Pittsburgh fan, and I think I said this to you, I would just be pumped that it feels like someone who's coming into the building because you've said how insular it is and how they don't yeah. hire that someone's just coming in was like, I've been Two successful places, you know, that well, I've been to two different places in the last five, six years, seen success in 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 you know Tennessee, built a program in Atlanta that wasn't completely a disaster. It just didn't seem like they could get all the cards to line up at the right time, and he didn't have the quarterback. So he's coming in with a fresh perspective and uh will bring something just unique and new as far as just a voice in that building that feels otherwise stale. Exactly. Yeah. And, and from what I I've seen in recent rumors, cause I, another massive request of mine was to expand the staff in general. Yeah. It does appear that they are trying, uh, at least based on some reports I've seen, it's not, it's not for sure, but that they're, uh, interviewing for additional offensive assistant positions, which be join Arthur Miller, uh, with, which, yeah, I mean, Arthur Smith, he, I, he I didn't don't know the crucible. It, exactly. Not Arthur Miller. Um, death of a salesman. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, Eric Bieniemy could very well be, you know, in play for something like yeah. that potentially. I, I don't know if they're if the rumors are you know true about him, you know, being a little bit too alpha. Maybe yeah. that wouldn't work as well as as an assistant to the assistant. But um, you know, if he'd be willing to, obviously, as a quarterbacks coach or whatever else it may be, 
um, offensive quality control specialist, so, someone else to yeah to get more eyes and to get more perspectives in that building. I think is a is a huge plus and something they desperately need. I will I will end on I will end on this as, as we're running long here and wrapping it up. If just just because I want it out there, in order in order for Washington to trade up to one. My initial thought is the package that I would be comfortable saying yes to if I was polls would have to start with number two overall, getting my second rounder back from Montez Sweat, next year's number one, and then a player. Now, whether that player is Deron Payne or Ter- Scary Terry, like it have to be that that's, that's, that's a hefty price though. It's a hefty <laughs> price. Now yeah. I would lean towards wanting pain because I really like his game. I think it would fit with Ibraflus. He knows sweat already. You add to that defense in and because then it frees you up to take Harrison Jr. too. And then at number nine, you could take whoever you want. Like, I mean, you would have your wife. I mean, you could take the board would be so open for the Bears at nine. It, that I would almost encourage them to maybe even trade back to get more assets. So that's what I would I would say. No, I if it's anything less than next year's first number two overall, getting my second back and pain, then I would say it's not enough. There you go. There you have it. Yeah, we're gonna have a lot of uh, you know hypotheticals to toss around in the I coming know. weeks because I'm excited to kind of explore this number one overall pick, which is exciting. It's always exciting to see what, what teams would have to give up and, and how that could shake out. So yeah, looking forward to that. But um, next time we see you all, we are going to be given our official predictions for the Super Bowl this upcoming Sunday. So definitely check that one out. Be on the lookout. But as always, we appreciate you watching. We are the Football Lounge with Mark and Dan brought to you by the For Frequency Sake Podcast Network. <laughs> 